to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Beaky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast MCM special. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. MCM. Mr. Lee Price. MCM. And Mr. Callan Danes. Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> How are we all this fine Saturday? I am very, very tired. So very, very tired. I need more coffee. Is that because yeah. we was all up before the double hours here on a Saturday now? I mean, yes, but also I've had about two hours sleep. We've all got into the habit of not getting up on Saturday mornings anymore. That's the problem. I'm just blown away by the amazing uh, amount of cosplay that's here. I mean, literally every costume could be used on screen. It's they're just. I don't know how anybody has the time and the skill to put these things together, but it is impressive. Having done cosplay exactly once, I can tell you, takes a long time and it's stressful. (laughs) And I wasn't even making the stuff. it is a ridiculously high standard that we've been seeing today. I mean, there's been a few Iron Men walking around, uh, full-on articulated armour, heads rocking back and forth. 501st Garrison here, as always, dressed up Star Wars-y style. I think the, the impressive thing is, is it's, it's not just the kind of stuff that you would know. It's not just the Star Wars and the kind of Marvel Universe stuff. There's so much kind of random anime stuff oh, and yeah. games-related yeah, stuff, yeah. and it's like... This is just this is so diverse. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. When you get past the forty percent of the cosplaying element, which is Deadpool, yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was a Deadpool dance off earlier. Yes. What? How many Deadpools have we counted so far now? I think we have now surpassed Harley Bingo with Deadpool Bingo. I mean, it is quite easy to do the Deadpool. Like, I'm pretty sure you can just order the whole costume like on the internet and just turn up in that I think it's a slightly more forgiving costume than a Spider-Man one as well so I think I could I could get away with it I could do a Deadpool cosplay I think Spider-Fellas well, I, never nice well I am um, when I did cosplay I ended up spending most of that convention hanging out with someone dressed as Deadpool so you know it kind of ends up it's everywhere yeah what I might try and do one year is because um, they've introduced the, Dead, uh, the Doom Patrol into um Titans on the DC streaming service. And they've got Robot Man uh, from Doom Patrol, so I think I could get away with that because that's like a full body helmet, a leather jacket with some arm um, bits. So I might, I might even go or the whole hog and start to build a little Robot Man foam mask at some point over the next. See, when you say years. Robot Man, I just think of Mega Man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I could, I would go with a Doom Boss rather than that. Oh, no, that'd be really hard. That's a really hard one. It's a green cape and a mask. Yeah, but it still looks really hard. <laughs> it's always pretty fun, though. I mean, as I said, the standard cosplay is ridiculous this year. Some quite cool media guests here as well. Um, Jason O'Mara, who you'll hear coming up later on the show. Mm-hmm. Callan, you picked out a few of your favourite Power Rangers. Uh, yes, so we've got um, Jason uh, Thorne, who um, was the Red Ranger Power Ranger Time Force. Um, and he keeps a close tie with the franchise, keeps coming back for various things, does a lot with the... Um, comics, um, does a lot of the conventions and returns for the anniversary so that's quite cool, um, as well as a couple of the guys from Power Rangers uh, Ninja Storm, not Ninja Storm Ninja Storm, that's the um, classic series, like 2003 um, so really great to catch up with those guys and see them again, see they're still sort of mm-hmm. involved um, with the community Yeah. and Lee, there's a massive Nintendo stand we've had to drag oh. you away from it a couple yeah. of times so far <laughs> Anything yeah. you're particularly looking forward to? Um, I'm hoping that the um, Smash Ultimate demo is bigger than the one EGX. Just from the, from what I'm hearing about other events going on, yeah. I'm hoping they might have single player stuff playable. Um, I don't know for sure though, but we'll hopefully find that out. I was really surprised the size of Nintendo's presence here. They seem to have taken oh, over yeah. pretty much a whole for themselves. Yeah, at first I saw like the Splatoon tournament bit, and I thought that was like the whole Nintendo bit. And it turns out, no, that's just the Splatoon tournament bit. The Splatoon tournament, it's a re- UK finals, I think, for the, re- the finals, European yeah. regionals, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I didn't realise it was like a full on competitive 
scene for Splatoon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Splatoon, but I don't really follow the competitive stuff too much, but I'm vaguely aware of it just from following Nintendo and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. And Keith, there's been loads of people in Arty Sunny. Are you uh, floating your boat? Yeah, there's some nice... It's quite Actually, it's quite good. The uh, Artist's Village, it's Comics Village, is pretty big this year, so there's quite a few people. There's Phil Winslade's in there, Fraser Irving, Greg Staples is there as well from... Um, doing Judge Dredd stuff but there's a lot of kind of smaller press people who are very impressive there are some incredibly talented artists out there um, so I'm hoping to go back at, at some point later on and pick up a few sketchbooks yeah it looks really cool and Steve is one of our geeky room favourites Steve Tanner is in attendance yeah Mr Time Bomb Comics yeah, yeah. Uh, doing great guns with all of that stuff at the moment always a great jacket yeah impressive jacket skills alright so uh, we're going to head in have a bit of fun and we shall catch up with you later on You are listening to the Geeky Brown Me podcast. Kicking off with the most obvious question, I guess, are you excited to be here at MCM Comic Con? Looking forward to it. I'm absolutely thrilled. I've never done a, a Comic Con in uh, in the UK before, even though I lived in London for eight years and you know grew up in Dublin and Ireland. So I've never never done a con uh, this side of New York. Really. So uh, this is very, very exciting. I get to meet some of the UK fans, some of my UK followers, and uh, and um, and you know, actually get to meet them as opposed to just sort of being on a panel or something. Actually shaking hands, <laughs> pressing the flesh. <laughs> and obviously, I mean, um, Man in the High Castle season three yeah. was sensationally game-changing in a whole lot of different ways. Can you talk about, looking back now, what you're most proud of when you look at that particular season and, and how, particularly for your character, things have evolved? Well, I'm certainly proud to be playing an Irish character on the show. Um, there, there aren't that many uh, uh, sort of UK and European characters on the shows. A lot of it's sort of concerned with what happens to you know, America um, after World War II when the, when the uh, Germans and the Japanese win the war. So... Um, to be able to play an Irish character in particular is something I'm, I'm quite proud of. Um, but also I think just the, uh, the journey from um, a situation sort of in the second season where it seemed like the Reich was just rising and rising and rising. Now we have a situation where you know, Juliana and Wyatt and their network are starting to resist, which uh, hopefully will lead in season four to something even more proactive and um, put up some, some sort of an actual fight uh, so we have that to look forward to um, I mean you not so long ago started being voice of the animated Batman yeah. um, which is obviously like a big legacy of many people before you is. how is that in terms of um, the response to that and how you go about that in making yourself sort of stand out and um, compared to such greats that have done it before yeah, it's one of those weird things. I think I think it's you're going down a blind alley if you try to set out to stand out um, from from such an amazing array of of, uh, of successful actors who have played the role. So, <clears throat> what I tried to do is just figure out what I was going to do and try to do it to the best of my ability, and uh, rely on that really to to uh, distinguish me from from any other Batman. Um, I suppose that I'm Irish helped, but obviously nobody wants to hear an Irish Batman, or at least that's what he's told. <laughs> <laughs> he must be. <laughs> There's one person. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's something that's evolved over uh, a period of films. Um, so if I look back at Justice League War, which was my first, um, even though I did some interesting things in it, I feel like I was definitely sort of testing the waters and trying out a few different things whereas a few films later I feel like it started to started to settle, you know um, and even now I still feel like I'm experimenting with the amount of humanity I'm able to imbue, particularly into Bruce Wayne, I mean what, what sets my Batman apart from others is that he's a father, you know, to, to Damien, um and uh, and that is something I'm obviously you know, able to bring as a father myself. Now my, my son isn't a, a, a teenage mutant assassin, but um, <laughs> he can be a bit of a brat sometimes. Uh, and 
you know, but he's he's won fourteen, um, and uh, and Damian Wayne obviously is uh, can be. I mean, now I think we we've evolved to a point now where Damian is kind of um, his allegiances are pretty clear. But to start out with, you know, he was uh, he was a loose cannon. So um, yeah, I feel like I was able to bring some some fatherly qualities to it, and uh, and um, I suppose just my own unique experience as a, as a human being. And what's in, what's what's funny also is I used to play and do voices with my son when he was younger playing with Batman toys. Um, I never thought I'd be actually doing it <laughs> and getting paid for it, the real thing. Was that like an Irish Batman or was that still like you did now? I was, I was, you know, I was probably, we were both watching the Kevin Conroy Batmans. So, um, Kevin is you know, hugely influential I think, on anybody who's, who's heard him. Uh, and I would never seek to uh, pretend to be replacing Kevin. I'm, I'm as well as Kevin, you know. And I think there, there are so many different. But it's not just me and Kevin either. There, there are many other Batman voices, both in the animated world and live action, obviously. And um, I think ultimately that just provides a universe where, you know, everybody can find their their favorite Batman or their alternative alternative version of Batman. There's just lots to choose from, but I know online early on I was sort of accused of trying to steal Kevin's mantle. And that's, <laughs> not, that's not what I was trying to do at all. When you start voicing a comic book character, it's a different breed of, of fan, especially with social media. How do you deal with that, both the positive and the negative? Do you, do you go in and look at the comments on Facebook? or you know, Because there's a lot of talk about different Batman and how they portray him. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Do you ignore it? I've kind of I've dialed it back a little bit, to be honest. You know, um, once I saw that, you know that that comment like, "Who the hell is this guy?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second, I don't I don't need to see this because I've got to go in and record tomorrow. I, I need to feel pretty good about myself." Um, no, and, and obviously there's lots of positive comments as well, but. It's just, if you believe the good ones, you kind of have to believe the bad ones. And then it's like, are you going to respond just to the good ones? And then if I'm responding to the good ones, then I'm just kind of self-promoting. And that doesn't feel right either. I'm not going to defend myself against people who don't like me because they can just switch it off. So I kind of have dialed back a little bit on... on um, social media I still like to interact with fans and you know I'm an enthusiast I like to be positive about things you know especially about things that make me happy or things I enjoy I don't really have time for the the negativity and and, uh, and they both go hand in hand unfortunately especially on social media so um, I just kind of backed off a little bit and and uh, I mean I'm still there still of a presence uh, but I don't go searching I don't go to comment sections <laughs> you know I don't like go to like hashtag Jason O'Mara because that's just uh, that's a world of pain uh, um, so yeah I think I, you know and ultimately you have to get philosophical about it you just go you know it's different horses for courses I mean it, it's some people are going to love it which they do and some people aren't and they're, it's probably because they've grown up a seminal time in their life when they when they think of a different voice or whatever people have a very a strong opinion about this stuff because it matters to them and that's okay you know and it matters to me too I don't personally feel the need to tell the world about you know what I think <laughs> about one film or another about one version or another um, you know uh, I, I sometimes get upset about certain things like Star Wars movies and things like that but you know I talk about it with my friends I don't, I don't want social media but some people feel the need to do that and that's okay um, I just don't get much out of it, you know, uh, about, about getting that critical and that negative. So I've kind of just backed off. Really. You're one of the few people that's jumped from DC and Marvel. Oh yeah, um, yeah. How was it working on? How was it working on Agents of Shield and joining, you know, a, a sort of established cast quite late on into or a few seasons into it? Well, first of all. Joining Agent Marvel's Agents of Shield was just an amazing experience because of the people involved. You know, um, uh, yes, it was lovely to get a phone call from Jeff Loeb at Marvel, and uh, you know, he pitched me this idea of Jeffrey Mace, the Patriot, which is you know something that we hadn't really seen. 
in Marvel. Well, it, it, it was a character that was generated in the 40s, you know, that was when it first started to appear. And obviously had a very close relationship with Captain America and, and, and had various sort of iterations and versions over the decades. But it, he was someone we hadn't heard from in a long time. And so that was really exciting, the idea of, sort of resurrecting a character like that. Um, but also what they did with it, you know, the sort of the, the double bluff and that he was kind of a weird guy, untrustworthy, manipulating you know, lied in order to become a hero and then that big twist sort of where he gets to become the hero he always wanted to be. Um, and and we end up, actually we end up rooting for him, we end up loving him, you know, which is, you know, if you watch that first episode where he appears, you, you can't imagine how that's possible. Uh, but really what made it special was getting the welcome that I did from, from Clark and Chloe and Elizabeth and Ian and uh, Henry and everybody there was just um, I wasn't prepared for that, it completely disarmed me and I don't know if you've ever met those guys I know they've been over here a few times but they're just they are like a family, you know and uh, there's just an incredible sense of inclusion and um, you really do feel like you're you're, uh, you're part of it, you're not just a guest you know, uh, even though I was very respectful of that it was their set and everything but um, it really sort of brought into the fold and, and um, made me feel really good about it. So um, that was an absolute joy. I didn't want it to end, but I'm glad when it did end that I got the death that I feel <laughs> the character deserved because it was pretty, it was pretty spectacular. Uh, and, and again, that was you know that was sort of I suppose it ended up being about seven or eight months <clears throat> of my life on and off. Whereas with a, an animated film, doing the DC stuff, that's that's a day every few months, you know, where you sort of go through all your lines, record them, then they'll come back with some animation and you try to um, maybe match that up, um, sort of additional dialogue recording, ADR they call it, and then maybe a, a final session where you need to put in all the, the fight grunts and groans <laughs> and uh, literally you're, you're in a room going, <laughs> you know, all this stuff uh, for about an hour and a half. You can actually lose your voice doing that. Um, it's probably the most challenging part of it, actually. Uh, so, yeah, very different experiences. Um, even though one's Marvel and one's DC, they were completely different processes and com completely different experiences. I think looking to the future, obviously, fans are very excited about what might be in store for us in yeah. the next season of Man of the High Castle. I'm yeah. curious, are the areas, um, both in terms of the characters' relationships and the world that we're exploring that you would be particularly interested to see the show go into? Yeah, I mean, I there's loads of things I'd be interested in talking to you about, but can say absolutely nothing. Um, but obviously, there's, as I hinted at, I think, this idea of uh, um, resistance becoming something something real. I think that's a, definitely an arc and a trajectory that the show is heading in. I think... Um, this idea of traveling from uh, world to world is something that's going to um, become even more integral. Um, and I love the fact that the show itself is committed to its um, sci-fi elements. You know, uh, in the in Philip K. Dick's book, that stuff was hinted at, and then as the seasons, as the television series seasons pr progressed, it was something that kind of became more and more important and now it's absolutely integral to it you know this idea that the, the Nazis have created this um, this other world machine um, uh, uh, next to this anomaly in the middle of the Poconos Mountains um, uh, if you haven't seen season 3 see it quickly because I'm spoiling it for you but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's, so that's something that's obviously going to be taken into season 4 as well so uh, these are all elements that are going to be fully explored and, um, and I know what we've done so far is looking really good and really excited for season four but it's not for another probably year yeah. <laughs> I mean obviously um, talking about Integral I think the really interesting thing about Man in the High Castle is the relationships between the different characters and yeah. I think particularly your relationship with Juliana um, is quite nuanced and, and um, increasingly important it feels as the show goes on can you talk about your wonderful co-star and why you think that has become a bit of a focal point for the story? Well, Lex is amazing to work with. She, she, um, 
she carries that. Yes, Rufus has incredible stuff to play as John Smith, um, uh, as do all the characters. But I feel like Alexa really carries that show. You know, it's um, the, the she's the driving force of the story. Uh, so she works incredibly hard, uh, both before, during, and after the scene to um, uh, to make Juliana as strong and alive as she can possibly make her. Um, and I was nervous sharing scenes with her initially because she really becomes Juliana on set. You know, she becomes very strong, um, uh, both sort of inside and out. And uh, I, I wanted to do that justice, and I wanted to be a match for her somehow. You know, even though it's pretty impossible, she's a very special character. But I wanted to somehow, you know, I wanted to bring something new to the to the party, um, which I think the writers really did, creating this kind of. Humphrey Bogart kind of Harrison Ford kind of character you know um, which I love playing but um, yeah I think I think their relationship is um, yes there's some romance and some sexual attraction there but it's almost becoming this sort of um, meeting of minds now look it's it's no I appear in season four so as does uh, Juliana so I think everybody knows that. So, so there's going to be something there in the future um, uh, in season four. Obviously, I don't want to spoil anything. You are listening to the Geeky Brown Me podcast. Hi there, my name's Colin Matheson uh, from Accent UK Comics. We're one of the UK's uh, independent publishers. We've been producing comics of our own for about 15 years now. And in that period, a whole range of comics we produced. Uh, Western War about follows adventures of Josiah Black in the American Wild West, who has a special pair of goggles, and through the goggles he sees certain people as monsters. So he starts hunting them down, because no one else can see what he sees, the local sheriff starts hunting him down. That's Western Noir. We also do some steampunk comics, Enter the Asylum and Stevenson's Robot. And historical adventure comics is my speciality. I'm a big fan of history, so uh, my stories tend to be historical-based, but they have a twist to them. If you want to know why the British lost uh, the, the, uh, during the Zulu Wars at Isanwana, you might find out that there's a, a, a secret there during the solar eclipse. Comics have been produced for a number of years. Work with like Steve Bazette, we produced Swamp Thing with Alan Moore. We're very happy to work with Alan Moore's daughter, Leah Moore, and husband, John Repian, and artists like Fraser Irvin, Mark Buckingham, and various other people over that period. We do a lot of shows. Uh, we're here at Birmingham today, but we're, um, we do a lot of MCM shows throughout the whole UK and elsewhere over in Europe. Comics, you can find us on the website, accentukcomics.com, or more information about how we produce comics on my personal blog, momentsofadventure.blogspot. Happy to be here, happy to find out more. Thank you very much. Guys, I guess kicking off with the first most obvious question, are you enjoying yourself so far at MCN Comic Con? Are you looking forward to meeting many, many Power Ranger fans here this weekend? Oh yeah, no, I have met heaps already and it's been amazing just seeing everyone going around with their cosplay, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the weekend. Yeah, it, uh, I've been out uh, to this way several times and the fans are always amazing, so uh, they got a good crowd out there and looking forward to meeting everybody. Yeah, I love I love coming out to the UK. Every every con is amazing, and uh, all the cosplayers. Uh, it's, it's great to kind of see them come out and hang with everybody, friends. As we've, uh, it's always good to meet. I mean, talking about that fan base, um, I know it's a big question, one you've probably been asked many times. What do you think it is fundamentally about this franchise and all its different iterations that gives it that global and timeless appeal that it very clearly has? Well, I think um, I just had a chat with one of the fans, um, one of the younger fans, who's come up and obviously said, you know, you're a big part of my childhood. Uh, I think it's because they, they learn a lot of the morals that you learn as a young kid through it, and I think um, that stands the, the test of time, and, and the fans themselves are what make it make it a cult. So when you have someone coming up and saying you're a big part of my childhood, it, you know, it's a really humbling experience, but I think that's the reason is because they, they do learn quite a lot of how to be... You know, one of the better phrase, a, a good human being in life. So I think that's probably why it makes it such a, um, a timeless um, thing for the kids. Yeah, I, I, to echo on that as well, um, I think something about the way they did the different colors, you know, they, it, and they've been really good at spreading out the ethnicities and the colors, and it's just something about the formula worked. And I think it lasted through, uh, you know, once it got, you know, a good seven, eight, nine years in, you know, people are getting older, and now they're watching with, with their younger brothers, and now people are having kids, they're watching it. So somehow they're able to just, in addition to what he said, just uh, 
transcend time. Yeah. And now it's just feeding on itself like a sports team. You know, dads are watching with their sons. And you know, this is what the, the you know what season's on now. But check out what dad watched when he was a kid. And mm-hmm. it just the formula works. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I love that when you actually see the the kids and the dads all cosplaying um, together. Yeah, <laughs> like a sports team. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, my son, who's nine this year, he actually wanted to cosplay or dress up for Halloween as my character. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, and I was like, oh, dad moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I grew up on the show myself. I mean. I remember we sitting there with cereal, watch, you know, eating, watching Power Rangers. Definitely dressed up as one for Halloween. So now to you know to still be a part of it, and you know, like years, fifteen, sixteen years on, I, you know, we get to hang out and travel, and still, like, yeah, it's still part of my life and and my family. And like you know, my I'll, I'll probably get maybe a few more years of it. It'll, it'll still be cool, you know, for uh, for my son until he gets that little bratty age, and then he'll be away. <laughs> So if, I want to eat it up for now, you know. Well, for yeah. us, we're, we're sitting next to someone who we, we watched. I watched him as a Power Ranger, you know. So yes, for me, sir. Um, to actually then be a Power Ranger, uh, you know, with the way that I, I saw it back in the days, you know, when, when I got that role, I just, yeah, I knew what was ahead of me and, and, and not really knowing what the cult following was like. I mean, this, the fandom with Power Rangers is amazing and I think that's, that's uh, you know, a really exciting thing to be a part of. So, of course, it's the 25th anniversary this year, and you yourself, Jason, were a part of the anniversary special. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it, first of all, being a part of that, being involved with that, uh, again, in the show um, so many years after you were initially in it, obviously, I know you came back for the 20th as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it feel coming back to the show occasionally and seeing um, sort of different crews, different casts, how the show develops like that? You know, it's it's always great. It's it's People always ask me what my favourite, you know, as an actor, what the favourite thing that I've done it, it's it, I'll always have a special place for Power Rangers in my heart so coming back on the 20th anniversary it was almost like a like a high school reunion like I knew a lot of the same crew that was there and the directors and producers um, and we all keep in such good t- you know we keep in touch today I mean I had lunch with one of the producers from Power Rangers you know two days ago who was in the show back when I was there so it's always cool coming back you know we've created this fraternity of, of girls and guys where we're all very close so whenever you come back and we get the film it's hard to keep us focused because we're, we're doing a lot of laughing and screwing around but um, it's always an honor to be asked back and I had a great time yeah I, I sort of felt that as well when we did Power MorphCon because obviously we're we uh, 15 years ago we did the series, but um, we never really got a chance to to meet other casts. But coming and meeting them at, at that particular con and, and other cons, you already feel like a family. It's already like you know each other. It's it's and and so you sort of slip into friendship really easily. And mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a great part of it as well. I mean, you said your son um, watches it now. Would you two um, ever consider coming back if they, if say for like the 30th or just as a reunion or? Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat, for sure. Especially, I mean, you know, to travel and, and to film, you can't beat that. It, New Zealand was an amazing place to, 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 to shoot. You could hardly call it work. So, yeah, any time I would uh, do it again. I love, I love being on set. I, 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 still, I still work on projects. I just wrapped up a show called The Murders and then did two seasons on Beyond. So I, it's... I, I buzz when I'm on set. Yeah. I, 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 you feel weird when being off set almost. So, yeah. There's a guy in my series, Jason Chan, who came up with a good saying about it. I mean, in, in acting, especially in the Power Rangers, I mean, you'd be out there for full days. But he said, you know what? I do the acting for free. They pay me to wait. <laughs> so, yeah, everything else is done for free because it's, it's, not, it's not like work when you're out there in front of the camera, especially working with cast and crews like, like I have. Uh, with Power Rangers and, and other other series that I've done before as well, but Power Rangers is something about it. You you you, you know, kick flipping around a, a forest for a day. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't feel like work. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do you guys all still keep up with the fitness? Can you still do all the, like the tricks and that? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or, I'm not, not going to joke. This morning, my knees started to uh, feel it a little. I was <laughs> like, is that is it happening today? Really? Is this is this the day that my warranty yeah. runs out? <laughs> but, uh, I like that. My yeah, the runs out. <laughs> I, I won't be doing a backflip off this table, but yeah, no, I, you, you do. You do need to maintain some form of uh, of training. I mean, my man over here. I know every morning he's up six, seven o'clock working out. I almost needed to ask him to slow down a little bit because he's getting too big when we come to these cons. I'm big. I'm like the same size from when we filmed, and he's just getting bigger. <laughs>
well, we were quite young when we did the show, but um, yeah, yeah, sixteen years. Now, yeah, right? physical 16. side of it was. I mean, we had Japanese stunt doubles, and obviously, you know, every series, you know, Koichi and, and all those guys were amazing. But to spend two weeks doing uh, martial arts training, I did five years of martial arts when I was from day uh, eight to thirteen. Um, you know, seriously, you know, doing gradings and getting belts, but um, you know, then stopped when I went to um, high school and then acting school and stuff like that. But um, it was nice to get back to that, do two weeks with your stunt double who's teaching you how to move, not just do martial arts, but specifically for your character and, 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 the, and the animal or, or whatever your motif was. I'm, I'm the rhinoceros beetle. So they would be teaching us how to move that way, but also teaching us um, martial arts. I remember one time where, you know, you've got to be flexible, obviously, so they, they would put a leg on their shoulder and they'd slowly stand up. And I remember doing it and I went, what's the Japanese word for ouch? Itai, 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 you know, as he's going further and further up with the leg on his shoulder and our backs are up against the wall. So, you know, it was pretty crazy. That's um, the only Japanese you know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it was uh, was, uh, pretty, uh, a lot of fun with the the Japanese stunt doubles, learning that sort of stuff. And they were were amazing at what they did. I say, guys, have you got any memorable stunts that you took on yourselves in the show? There was there was one that we almost did uh, Koichi. I mean, Koichi was like the, I actually was having this conversation earlier. Now stunts you can you know you can the mechanics can be like tweaked right to the the poundage and the the the, mm. the, 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 the distance. Back then it was like okay you know add a person onto the rope, lay the mat down. Send them flying. Oh, they missed the mat. Move the mat a bit further. <laughs> Add a person. Take a person off now. Okay, yeah, yeah. try it again. Oh, okay, we hit it. Now, three people, and the mat needs to be eight feet or something yeah, like that. Do the stunt, ask questions later. Yeah, <laughs> and we had one that um, Koichi came up, and he, I remember him asking, he's like, have you ever done, like, mountain climbing, you know, lanyard work? And I'm like, yeah, 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 because that's what you do, you know. Can you ride a horse? Yeah, I can ride a horse. You, you learn on the day. <laughs> Uh, Say yes, ask questions. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I knew the, the normal how to, you know, t- to climb it. So I was like, sure. We're, we're, we got as far as me almost going over. And I believe it was one of the Disney execs. Somebody came up and they're like, is that one of our cast that you have, like, hung over the, the <laughs> rock quarry? Where, if you notice, it's like we've shot every Power Ranger at that rock quarry. Yeah. And we're about to hang over, and you can see them having a kind of a conversation, pointing up and pointing down. It's like, no, 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 get our get get our cast off the off the rope. He can't be climbing. That's what we have the stunties here for. Wow. So, but yeah, there's there were some good ones that we were able to do, and but those the stunties, I mean, they were breaking bones in yeah. there. Uh, a few of them that would come in, and uh, yeah. a few scenes they were actually uh, um, what you saw were, were they were they were doing some real. Pretty uh, crazy stunts. In that See, you guys head. had it tough. We we were lucky because we were uh, when I, when I on the show it was Union, so it's like they were just. We, there was a time that they I had to run up a flight of stairs, and I you know I played college baseball to like get the stunt double yeah, because yeah. I can run I can up that. a flight of stairs yeah. and no no stay there stay there the guys <laughs> holding an umbrella over my head. So they were very very uh, they were very very careful with us um, that we we went nowhere near it. My, my season. Um, sort of wrapping on cotton wool, yeah. No, yeah. No, no. There, were, there were some times, though, there were major explosions because um, we always wanted to get out there as much as we could. And they're like, when you start running, there was one scene at the, it, in, uh, I think it was the end of time. It was uh, episode 39 or 40. But uh, they're like, when you guys start running, and they're blowing up downtown L.A., when, we, when you throw him on your shoulder and start going, don't stop because when they hit the explosion button, it's going to go. And yeah, you can just yeah. feel the heat just go boom. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So a lot of times that stuff was was pretty real. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, actually, the the opening scene that they used with the standard Power Ranger big explosion, um, they did a little walkthrough. They're like, okay, there's the fire pot, fire pot, fire yeah, pot, yeah. and say exactly. Yeah. Like he says, when you pass that fire pot, you got to keep going because they're gonna they're gonna go. They're, they're gonna, gonna detonate going. it. Yeah. yeah. And I fell. Oh I did man. a face flat. I did a face flat. And Pooh is Pooh is a big man, so he just like he's got one hand and he just basically. Puts down. I feel kind of getting picked up, and the explosion. You are fell going down on an accident. That was in a creek, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it in was a in creek. a creek. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and the water, and it's like you could feel the heat going yeah. off, and 
and it's like it, it was like real time. It's the one they ended up using it too. So you're kind of wow, <laughs> trying to be heroic. You weren't acting there. You were really but, freaking yeah. out. <laughs> you looked scared. You're like, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I was like, keep running. It's real fire. I look. I loved also doing some of the casual clothes while uh, in your normal character fight scenes. I mean, I got to do a few of those with Pua because um, we were two Red Rangers in the same series. We got to fight against each other. So getting the opportunity to do that and, and do as much of the fight scene as you can um, was a lot of fun as well, um, sort of creating that and getting taught how to do it and then actually making it come, come alive on, on screen was a lot of fun. Yeah. So there was lots of stunts that we didn't get to do. I mean, we also got wrapped up in cotton wool as well. Um, you know, I would have loved to have done some wire work and stuff like that, but no, they said no. no. Any injury and, and production stops because we have yeah. to be out there every day. So, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a fun fun set to be on. A lot of the fight sequences, though, they allow you to to get involved, and in, even the studies yeah. were like after the take, you would get so you know you you're doing three, four, five hits and a kick that you get into it so much and at the end you're like did I did I hit you and he's like yeah, yeah I actually hit you sorry I felt like I got into it so much but it's there every was so a few times you're those were act, they were actually real making contact on on a few a few yeah. of the, a few of the guys were there and 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 the and the women so it was it was uh, at the end you're just oh, apologies 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 <laughs> but it was fun you are listening to the Geeky Brown Me podcast. Hi, I'm Jess Taylor. I'm a comic artist and illustrator, local to Birmingham. I've done quite a bit of work since I joined the MCM circuit, and most people know me for a brief stint on Adventure Time a few months back. Um, I generally do covers and book covers, and I'll have a couple of comics coming out next year, but my work is very graphic-y, pop art, Think Samurai Jack meets Transistor the video game and you'll definitely have like my exact aesthetic. <laughs> I like pink, I like blue and I like doing everything with it. Um, but you can totally check me out on Twitter. I'm My handle is at D-E-U-X-D-E-Dell which is doodle <laughs> and you can find me there pretty much all hours of the day. I like screaming into the void, sometimes it yells back. You can also find me on Tumblr under the same name. And I am also on Instagram at Jess Taylor Arts. Let's begin at the beginning then, Ray. How did you get involved with this cult classic on television? Uh, well, I would say that I was, um, I, was sitting, I was sitting outside of my gym in Los Angeles... And I got a call from my manager and agent, and they said, this is a really great opportunity, uh, so don't screw it up. Um, and so I said, okay, cool. So I went in and I auditioned for casting directors, and after that I auditioned um, with Bruce and with... Uh, um, I auditioned with Bruce and for Sam Raimi. And ultimately, uh, I remember auditioning... My last and final time, and I was in a room about this big, and there were two of us. It was me and some other guy competing for the role. Usually there's like three or four, but it was just me and this other guy. So it was a 50-50 chance of my life changing, right? And um, Sam, they put us in separate rooms, and Sam came in and said, hey... Um, you know, this is just like a formality. Let's just go in there and like, you know, show them that you got this. And I just want to make sure you're okay with, you know, doing stunts and being covered in blood all the time. And, you know, is that something that you <laughs> are, are okay with? And I said, you know, Mr. Ramey, I, I want to be covered in as much blood as possible. And I want to run through the wilderness of New Zealand naked from deadites. Is that something that we can achieve? <laughs> and it was for three wonderful series. Yeah, and I said, and, and, and so then I went into this room with the network, which is the final test. And uh, when we got to set, and I got the part, and I got to set, I said um, to Sam, I said, hey, Sam, you know, you really, like, hyped me up, and you told me such a great, you know, pep talk. What did you say to the other guy? And he said, um, I never went in that guy's room. Oh, so if you if you look at it like that, you had the master of cult classic comedic horror sort of give you his his blessing. 
before I went into the room. So when people ask me, were you nervous about, you know, going into this franchise? I wasn't. And I don't say that in a, in a, in a, in a cocky sort of way. I say it in a way of, in the most humble way possible, um, when you get the blessing from somebody who created, and when you've worked over a decade to get this kind of opportunity, you just are prepared, right? Luck is like when preparation meets opportunity, is what they say. Yeah. So I was lucky. And were you ready for the onslaught of deadite fans that come with the Army of Darkness? I, was I ready for the fans? Uh, you know what? I thought you were going to ask me, was I ready to, you know, for, for all the gore and stuff? But, well, it sounds um, like you wanted the gore to I happen. I did. I was a lot of corn syrup I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was ready for the fans, but I wasn't prepared or um, expecting them to uh, be as positive and loyal and, and opening to um, the rest of my castmates and I and embrace the franchise the way that they did. You know, they, they've... They, they, horror fans can be so loyal or they can be just brutal and they can break you down uh, if they don't like something they don't like something I didn't, I didn't like the new Halloween I'm okay to say that <laughs> everybody else seemed to like it I was just so confused um, but uh, yeah so I, I wasn't prepared with like how loyal they are and even till this day they, they, they show up and, and, and you know they, they present them, they, they talk to me on social media, and I started to realize that I owed, I had to keep up with that. I had to make sure that I kept the fans happy because not only is it about them because we're here for them, mm. but it, it's a generation um, of, of multiple generations of a built-in fan base, and I'm actually terrified of death because I don't want to die because I don't want my life to end, because I love life so much. So um, when you think about what we're doing as actors, and when you think about this franchise, it's like, I'm not going to really, I might die on the show every other episode, but I, I've really locked into a, a franchise that will live forever. And certainly as I sit here with you today, I don't think that this is the end of the Evil Dead franchise. I think that, as we've seen, Evil Dead has always become more and more appreciated the more time we are left with the content that we've created, you know? Like the first one, second one, third one, people liked it when it came out, but as time went on, we really appreciated the fact that, like, these practical effects and these jokes and this horror, it's just great, right? It's sort of to find a genre that Sam created um, in the 80s. So I'm really happy to, to, to have the fans now be able to see it in a different way. Mm. You know, we got to see with Pablo this um, young, idealistic immigrant become, go from sidekick to superhero, really, over the course of three seasons. And what a sort of uh, different addition to the franchise that we had never seen before. And certainly in the times that we live in today, living in America, uh, you know, where, where we're building walls around immigrants, it was really nice for me as a, as a Latino actor and, and, and as a person just to be able to play a positive portrayal of a Latino and sort of break this stereotype of what, um, what, what they are, right? And to sort of have a little kid as I was once, maybe see the character of Pablo and think that maybe they could be a hero in their own way someday. Or a living, breathing Necronomicon. Yeah, it's either you're gonna be you're either gonna be a hero or someone's gonna book you. You situated um, situated ten years for this opportunity you were just mentioning um, representation. But in terms of representation, is it difficult to find roles for actors of colour that aren't just stereotypes. And how important is that for you, as you were saying, to be that kind of role model for other people from the Latinx community or other minority communities in America today? Look at you. He's come with the big questions, hasn't he? You know, listen, <laughs> and he's, right. <laughs> he's come with the right terms, too. Uh, you know, I, I think that for me, um, 
what I would say is that I've been fortunate enough somehow to find my way into this industry. And I found my way in this industry and found myself as a person in this industry. I grew up in the South Bronx, you know, um, with a great family. We had everything that we needed. You know, maybe it's not the best neighborhood, you know, dodging bullets and blades as a 12-year-old walking to auditions. And now I just dodge bullets and blades on television. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, it's funny because as a kid, I, I grew up in this neighborhood that is portrayed, you know, portrayed on television uh, in, different, in different locations, in different places. But what I'm saying is that I was able to tap into making a living off of playing gangbangers and drug dealers and hustlers and drug addicts because that's what they wrote. That's what they've written for, for decades um, and and now we're seeing a completely different side to that, and we're diversifying, you know, um, the culture and the the people um, in a mass way. You know, it's not just with the Latinx community. We're now seeing more ethnicities all across the board. You know, um, it's it's part of it's part of the movement. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. It has been a very difficult um, and long journey, but it's nice to see the transition um, from me playing a drug dealer mm -hmm. to me playing Pablo. And it's tough because sometimes the project will come through and it'll be something that I maybe am not so interested in, but you have to, um, you either you either say yes or you say no. And I think I think now that I've gone in a certain specific direction, it's easier to say no to things that you don't necessarily always want to do because you understand that it's about a bigger picture. It's about visibility, right? I guess I, I, I have a tendency to ramble, but the real point is if we, you know, TV is identify, it, it, TV builds identities. And if you don't see yourself on television, then how can you understand what your true identity is? As a kid, I only had a handful of actors like um, John Lake Wazamo, mm. Jimmy Smits, um, uh, Freddie Rodriguez from Six, Six Feet Under, who were on television. And everyone didn't always look like me. Um, and I don't look like everyone, you know? I still face this thing where, you know, it's like, oh, you know, will you shave your mustache? Will you cut your hair? And I'm resistant against it. I'm, I resist against it because I'm, I don't want to change who I am, but I think that also you have to evolve. And as the times are evolving and we're seeing people, we're seeing more visibility, you have to be willing to change and mold into whoever you are and as an actor, whoever you're meant to, to be for the role. So we'll see what happens. I think I answered your question in a lot yeah, of different you did, ways. Yeah, more and more. But is it, is it, is it harder more so because of what's happening in America now, also because you also fit in several more minority communities. You're not just an actor of colour or a person of colour. Right. Latina, yeah. openly gay, part of the LGBT yeah. community. Yeah. And with what's happening in America now, does that make it, not just as an actor, but just as an individual, an American? Will they let, back, will they let you back in the country when you go back to the world? <laughs> Maybe if I keep my glasses on. <laughs> Maybe if I keep my glasses on. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I actually think that it's actually easier because we're not running away from the truth anymore, right? And I had an opportunity with uh, Ash. The publicity team asked me if I wanted to be openly uh, gay in the media. And I took a second because I've made a living off of playing these roles that none of them, none of them are gay. They're all these machismo kind of roles and... Um, and Pablo wasn't that, but he was definitely sort of the heart and had a vulnerability to the group. But I felt like it was, m you only have one life, right? And like if you don't live it truthfully and authentically, then you're always going to wonder what if I had. And I just felt like I could see that the times had changed and that it was important for me to actually be who I am today. That doesn't mean that if I fall in love with a woman tomorrow, that I don't have the right to fall in love with a woman just because I, it's be who you are today and, and, and be truthful to who you are today. And I think that it's important to stand up for what you believe in, who you are, and the respect of 
everyone getting to be who they are. Um, we've come too far, and it's really difficult to live in the world that I live in in Los Angeles, in Trump's America, but it's almost forcing us to really look at the problems that we have in in the world, right? Not to be, not to be like super... Uh, so I was in London like a couple weeks ago and I saw this play called The Inheritance. If you get a chance to go to London, you should see this play. It's a play, it's a play about, you know, um, gay men and, and the AIDS crisis and how far it's come. And they say something in it, which is that if the AIDS crisis, it's Vanessa Redgrave, she says, if it hadn't happened, we wouldn't look at the, the beauty of people wanting to love each other for who they are, right? And I think that what I'm saying is that even though it's f***ed up, we have an opportunity to look at the problems in America right now we, and, 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 and look at them in a way that we haven't before, which is really looking at them and coming together and changing the course of action. You just have to be present and you just have to be willing to, to change. You are listening to the Geeky Brown Me podcast. Thank you for joining us here at MCM Comic Con Birmingham, November 2018. We have been Geeky Brown Me. A big thank you to Reed Pop and the MCM team for giving us some passes, allowing us down, allowing us to mess about as we usually do. Keith, where can we find you online? You can find me at hardluck underscore hotel on Twitters and just take that underscore out for pretty much everywhere else. Lee, where can we find your internet presence? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the cheap ferrets. Callum, have you renamed it yet? It's okay, you can either find me at Bubba Goose Audio on Twitter or Instagram, or if I've changed it, you can find me at Bubba Audio on Twitter and Instagram. And then I'm my Snapchat, which is Dane's one or something. <laughs> You can find me not having to listen to one of Guy Halford's pithy little remarks for a change. Hold on, I'm sure I can think of one. <laughs> no, lost your chance. You can find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter, find the food stuff at Ruby Gourmand on Twitter and everywhere else. And you can find us all at GeekyBrummy at GeekyBrummy.com, GeekyBrummy on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Don't forget to check out the YouTube stuff. We did throw some stuff up there recently. And. If you fancy giving us a little bit of a tip, go to ko-fi.com forward slash geeky But for now, bye everybody. Bye. bye. bye.